On this episode of AV Week, Diversified has acquired HB Communications, where art and AV come together. And looking at a few AV companies that have gone public with IPOs, the difference between working for a public versus private company in AV. All that and more, next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 520, recorded Friday, August 6th, 2021. AV Financial. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Sure, Sound Extraordinary, and by Middle Atlantic. What great systems are built on. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. With us to discuss the news and information we have gathered this week, first and foremost, Charmaine Torella from Varex. Welcome, ma'am. Thank you. Hello. Uh, also from the great state of New Jersey, Mr. Steve Greenblatt from Control Concepts. Welcome, sir. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Absolutely. And last but not least, technically he lives in New York, but he works for Extron uh, out uh, in a Heimway, Mr. Derek Jonkus. Welcome, sir. Thank you. Great to be here. Absolutely. Thank you. And, and Extron is one of our fine uh, sponsors, so we thank them uh, for their support. Uh, first story actually comes to us from our friends over at AV Magazine. Um, enterprise video platform Kaltura, uh, they have been listed on the NASDAQ, currently trading at about 12 bucks a share. Uh, according to the filing, filings, Kaltura's 2020 revenue was $120 million dollars year-over-year growth to date at about 46%. Uh, in addition to that filing, uh, about a week and a half ago, Snap One, uh, formerly of Snap AV, also launched their IPO. Uh, Snap has been in a, on a purchasing spree, uh, I would say, over the last couple of years. They picked up Control 4. Uh, most recently, they picked up, actually, another Aviation uh, sponsor, Access Networks. Um, Charmaine, we're going to start with you on this. Um, when you look at companies like this, you know, where does how, how does a public or private company? Well, that's, that's what these companies are doing. They're going public, so they're they've got a board of directors, they've got shareholders to to account to. How does that impact either side of that uh, dealers, but also how does it impact users? Well, it impacts dealers, uh, frankly, because now it's demonstrating how the market is changing in terms of solution, right? Where these things are going to IPO. This is what the market is looking for. This is the value that the consumers are looking to get for their environment. So it's changing the way we think about in AV world what a solution should be. It's now going in the cloud. It's going soft. And here are the IPOs and the acquisitions to prove it. Everyone is making that strive because the market is thirsty for it, especially going post-pandemic. Everyone is trying to find better ways and more flexible ways to engage now. And this is exactly where we are. So that's how it's going to affect the market. Hopefully it will affect the market and the integration side well enough to where we start factoring more of these types of solutions into our product set. That is the goal. That's what the end game should be. All right. Uh, we are going to talk about a couple of mergers and acquisitions here in a minute. Any of the three of you can, can answer this. I don't believe there is a publicly traded integrator. Am I, am I correct in that uh, assessment, guys? Anybody know of any publicly traded? All right. Nope. Okay. I think you're right. There's not one that historically, I historically, historically, well, not correct. Was. 
<laughs> yes, yeah, there there have that been historically, so well. uh, and there are there are certainly a couple that are that are investment firms and investment banks that have had purchased, and we'll get to that in a second. But I wanted to make sure before we we go down this next road, Steve, I'll start with you. On, you know, you'll have the next question on this. I've got a couple of stories that have been shared with me over the last couple of weeks because I've been kind of meandering around this uh, around this topic. There are a couple of of you know industry leaders who have said, you know what, there, I I can do certain things as a private company that a public company would never let me do, right? Shareholders would would go nuts. I mean, you're talking about, you know, a, a company, let's say that, that is traditionally a, a video, you know, processing or a, a matrix company that goes into, um, you know, goes into, you know, audio, an audio company that goes into control and vice versa. As a publicly traded company, you've got to have certain uh, returns on the investment. You have to have certain growth. Sometimes that's through, you know, uh, raising revenue and, and, and increasing sales, but that's also that growth a lot of times comes through, through mergers and acquisitions. When you look at this, what are the benefits from, from your standpoint, you know, as somebody who services some of these companies, but also works with their product of being a publicly traded company or, or what are some of the drawbacks of it? A publicly traded company that has a lot more resources at their disposal financially. So that that is one thing where they have the opportunity to ramp up for the growth that that Charmaine was talking about. How you know that this may be a, ta a technology that's really taking off, and they they have the ability to scale up a lot easier because they have more access to capital and and uh, also likely ju just uh, knowledge and capabilities, and they they can tap into a, a lot lot more of a talent pool likely because they have a board of directors because they have they they're they're kind of, they're they're built to scale uh versus a smaller private company they they may be comfortable where they are they may be looking to scale a lot slower they may uh, they they don't have the they don't have other people to answer to as you mentioned um stockholders want a return on their investment as do the the people that are uh, put put in the high ranking roles. They're they're um, incentivized based on the the growth of the company, the profitability of the company. So the the benefit is is that th this gives a company a, a lot more capacity. Let's say um, it it also gives a lot more visibility to to our industry and and to the things that we do. Um, mm -hmm. As Charmaine mentioned, you know, there's the, it, the this likely puts uh, AV on the map a little bit more than. Uh, has been in the past for you know where it was always considered more of that mom and pop type of business and uh, in a very niche industry. Um, so, but on on the on the the con side, you know you you have a lot of people to answer to, and and you know for somebody who's used to running a business a certain way and doing what they want to do and and being creative, they 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 probably have uh, a, a lot more restrictions and and things to consider. Yeah, absolutely. Derek, we'll let you in, end up on this one. We, we've talked about, we talked about a second ago, you know, the different types of financing in AV. Certainly, um, you know, uh, going public, especially for manufacturers, is, is an option. Uh, for integration, though, primarily um, the, the, the focus has been investment firms and investment banking. Um, when you look at a couple of other manufacturers, there are also, you know, investment um, backers there. When you look at this from, you know, not just a manufacturer standpoint, but, but Derek also used to be an integrator. You, you look at the financing of some of these AV companies. Where do we see this headed? Do we see the the public funds? Do we see that 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 being more and more, 
or, you know, both, you know, private equity as well as, you know, investment firms and investment banking. Uh, yeah, you're right. I get a couple of different perspectives. On one hand, being a private organization definitely uh, reduces the amount of pressure that organization has to perform. Yeah. But as Steve pointed out, as Char- uh, Charmaine pointed out, that, you know, we're that that's a that's is a good thing and a bad thing. Sometimes you need that organizational pressure to in order to be able to incentivize the kind of growth or the kind of performance that you want to have. As far as our industry goes, and I expect to see more things like this. I think we've talked about this in the past shows where I, I expect there to be more uh, acquisitions and consolidations. I think it's just sort of a natural sign of the times. I think a lot of businesses are kind of structuring themselves for for a lot of growth. And for a company like Kaltura, who we partner with at Extron on some technology and both products and both product offerings, yeah, I can understand exactly where they're coming from and what their strategies are. It'd be interesting to see as we go through these, um, as we go through some of these acquisitions or in changes in the way that these companies look at their finances, look at their structure, how that trickles down into our industry and what that means. Um, as we was already mentioned, what does that mean for the people that are actually doing the work? to satisfy the customers, because I still think there's a place in the middle there where integration is going to be required. And it's going to be interesting to see that, how that plays out. And that might be where the opportunity is. Yeah, yeah absolutely. All right, uh, next story comes to us from our friends over at SDN and AV Network. Diversified has acquired HB Communications. Really quickly, a side note, uh, AV Nation is owned by CTI, Conference Technologies out of St. Louis. Conference Technologies, as well as HB and Diversified, are all members of the PSNI uh, uh, Alliance. This is uh, gives the number two uh, on the SEN Top 50, purchasing number 13 on the list. Uh, combined revenue for the two uh, would be just over $1 billion. Uh, Fred D'Alessandrio, De- um, founder and CEO of Diversified, said, quote, unquote, I am excited to welcome the team at HB with their widely recognized industry presence and experience uh, into the diversified family. HB was, of course, founded by Mackie Barron, for whom the Avixta Lifetime Achievement Award is named. Uh, Barron started HB in 1946. His son, Dana, uh, has uh, had taken over as CEO, as well as grandson, Dan, uh, who is who was the director of marketing. So you've got three generations there. This would be the second billion-dollar firm after the AVI-SPL Whitlock deal last year. Mr. Greenblatt, we will start with you on this. How big is too big for an AV company? Well, the the fact is is that we have two really big players right now, and uh, and they they probably are taking a considerable market share. And what they're doing is taking a lot of the low hanging fruit opportunities, I believe, and and they're getting the you know probably going after the very big contracts the very big clients because they they have a lot of mouths to feed too so they're it, it's good to be big and it and, and it gives you a presence and you're probably thought always thought of it's hard to not think of one of those two companies when you're uh, considering a significant investment but you're but but there's always opportunities for smaller companies and uh, and what happens is is that the smaller companies need to be more niche. They need to really understand where they bring value that's different. They need to be able to find the types of clients who appreciate what they do that the big companies can't do. Because one of the things that we know about these bigger companies is, is that they, they 
came about because of acquisition, which means that they are melding together different companies, different cultures, different management styles, different organizational structures, and and that is not an easy thing to do. So uh, being able to provide consistency from location to location and and have your, your service be um, at the top of its game through, for for anybody within the organization is is a tough tough feat to pull off. So um, I think that you know smaller companies do have opportunities. You just have to make sure that you are knowing how to differentiate yourself. Do not adjust your sets. The funny thing about internet recording is that anything can happen. If half a video file decides to disappear into the ether, we got to make do with what we got. But let's get back into Diversified and HP Communications. Derek, you've got experience in both manufacturing as well as being an integrator. When it comes to mergers and acquisitions on this scale, what's that transition phase like for companies and their clients? Um, from a manufacturer perspective, you know, we certainly have supported both organizations prior to their announcement. And with many of these announcements, sometimes we're fortunate enough to know or have awareness about what their plans might be. So it allows us to do some degree of planning and preparedness. But when these companies change their structure, uh, which, you know, things like where people purchase from, who has the authority to purchase, um, who makes decisions on certain projects, your points of contact, sometimes there's some overlap. And that's sort of the transition as a manufacturer that we need to work with, you know, our resellers like HB uh, prior and now diversified as a consolidated organization is and support them through that transition. And that's not just about product support. It's there's a lot of other things that the company like Extron provides to our resellers or to other people in the industry in order to try to, you know, so try to help out the industry. You know, we have that sort of the size and the, the expertise, and we've seen a lot of these things. And there's been a lot of consolidation in our industry in the last couple of years. And I, like I mentioned earlier, probably for different uh, contexts with Kaltura, um, I expect to see I expect to see more of this. It just seems like a natural thing. And to Steve's point, I think this generates tremendous opportunity for smaller niche players because there's always going to be some space there. There's always going to be customers that need a special kind of service. And um, a company like Diversified, awesome company. Um, I'm sure they're going to do a really great job at uh, kind of uh, you know working with all the values and all the great folks that were working for HB proper, and then uh, kind of rolling them into the new values of what happens at Diversified. But I also think that just creates an opportunity because Diversified may not be interested in all the business that uh, that may be out there because it might not be at the right scale. They have such a great organization. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes. But from our perspective, um, you know, we're, we're glad they're working together now and we uh, look forward to supporting them. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Charmaine, it, it might be quite too early for this. I mean, there hasn't been a lot of change outside of HB's website, having a little plaque that says, hey, we're a diversified company now. But what does this mean for both companies moving forward? Well, this helps HB, but I think more diversified. And I'm greedy, so I'm going to hit the vertical and the regional uh, story on both. I'm going to hit all the points as much as I can. So... Regional standpoint, you know, HB, as you said, they're in Jersey, Boston, you know, it seems like um, why buy HB? They also, they're headquartered in Stanford, right? Connecticut. 
And when it comes to the New England area, right, that area, the Northeast Corridor, not a lot of many uh, big houses are in that particular area. There's a lot of new business coming in to the the Connecticut area in general, new development. You know, that state has been trying to really bring businesses back. They have WWE, they have Royal Bank of Scotland. They have, you know, those are some of the businesses and clients they have there. And they're ripe to bring in more, especially like I mentioned earlier, the cannabis business, right? That's starting to take off in Connecticut. So you're going to have a lot of businesses coming in there. It is ripe for a company to have a presence in that particular area. And HB definitely has a presence in that area that can shoot up either into New England or down into New York and New Jersey. So it's it's a good place to be. The other side of that also is the vertical. Now, the one thing, how big is too big is what you said before, right? We know the ISPL is notorious for buying out things often, and Diversified has done it as well. But the difference is Diversified has a strategy. When they bought TSG, the studio group, uh, certain things that they acquired, there's a vertical there, right, broadcast. Um, HB Live, everyone forgets about it, HB Live, event and productions. That's a good vertical to acquire, especially at this time when everyone is starting to go back and create events and the event business is coming back in. It is good for Diversify to have this company under its belt because of HB Live, that event production piece. There are a lot of clients that I think a good amount of AV integrators have worked with that even though you do the integration, somehow HB Live is doing their events. They're there somewhere, somehow. And that makes Diversify more viral and pervasive in the market in a different way, in a different vertical, not typically AV, but in a place where most integrators don't really have a foothold. So I think it was a good acquisition on that um, perspective. And with getting, when you do acquisitions, you know, one of the other benefits is R&D, right? You have a little more budget. As a small company, um, you don't have that much budget and time to do R&D to develop things. But now that you become part of a bigger uh, company that has that budget, you have a little more uh, leeway to do a little more research and development and develop in and evolve your solutions even further. So I think it's a very interesting acquisition play. It's a thoughtful one regionally as well as vertically. And um Curious to see, you know, how other integrators, you know, you have a lot of clients, enterprise clients who want that one throat to choke scenario with a partner. So they're trying to become that one throat to choke where you don't have to really go anywhere but within the walls to diversify. Very good. Our last story comes from Sound and Communications by way of one wonderful Alicia Hentley talking about Meow Wolf's House of Eternal Return in Santa Fe, New Mexico. It does, if it sounds weird, you should see the pictures because it is an amazing interactive experience. Kind of not quite a choose your own adventure situation, but it, you know, it's my, I think that the images can do much more uh, service than I can going about it. But it does kind of lead into an interesting conversation about AV and experiential design. So, Derek, I'll start with you. What are the ways that art and AV kind of intersect? Gosh, I don't know if I have the exact answer for this, but the first thing I want to say about the article was 
I think it's really cool that AV happened and people can go see it. Because a lot of places we do, we work on, I can't, I'm not, I'm sure all of us had the same experience. You sold something, worked on something, thought about it, helped deploy it, but did you ever get to go back and see that cool thing you made or designed or whatever? Probably not. I mean, I don't know, that's been my experience. So the idea that there is a team of people working and developing this and utilizing, you know, AV technology as part of their palette, their creative palette, I think that's pretty exciting. And I don't know exactly where that fits, but I, I do think um, when, if you can have a, this digital canvas concept and you can actually have that available to you and you can generate your own content or show content that you own exclusively, I say more power to you for that business model. That sounds like a pretty clever one. I know the art market, especially the very esoteric art market, especially modern art, is um, something I have some familiarity with. Um, there is a lot of there are a lot of things that are very desirable there that some people just want for themselves, and I'm not even talking NFTs. I'm talking about just different experiences. So, for me, both of these articles and at least the introduction to the uh, the, the Black Dove um, concept, the product or the offering. I don't know, they kind of hit home a little bit as a way for somebody to be, as you said, part of that experience of our industry, which, you know, we, you know, sometimes we're as boring as a light switch in our business. Other times you could be exciting as this, which is you're just part of that entire experience. It's like going to a theme park, but it's all about it's all about the creative process. And so, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward. I was looking for more pictures of uh, Meow Wolf's work, but I, I didn't find too much. So I guess I'm going to have to head out west. I'm struggling to go with the band Go West or Bing Crosby and the Andrews sisters singing Go West, Young Man. But I'm the editor, so you'll laugh at anything I say. <laughs> Wonderful. Charmaine, when it comes to immersive installations like this, uh, how can AV companies, for lack of a better term, get into that space? Interestingly enough, at the last Infocom that we went to, a client actually, while we were looking at, I think it was the Samsung booth, uh, said to me, uh, we want to put an experiential uh, lobby into the new building that we're building. We want to make it engaging as much as possible, but I really don't know how to do that. How would I do that? And I said, well, take a meeting with me and I'll tell you how. <laughs> yeah, basically. And um, didn't, the meeting didn't happen, but another client came back and said, I heard you talking to this client. Where do I start? And so you start it with the first thing is in AV, this is pretty new, nuanced to a lot of integrators, right? They don't know where to begin exactly. They think in terms of manufacturer first, okay, there's a product that can do this, but there's Another component that comes way before that, which is the creative, the content development and, you know, the mapping of where it should fall and what it should look like. It starts with getting the right partner. So next week, um, this is a shout out to Bravo Media. Next week, there's a Sharp NEC Bravo Media event in New York City. Um, contact Sharp and look it up. It's going to be at Bravo Media Studios. They do this type of work. They can use any manufacturer. They're manufacturer agnostic. They can work with any integrator. It's just they are the ones that help with the design, the content development, and the comp content implementation, and the consult consultation with the customer to determine how they want to do this. It starts there. It has to start there. Otherwise, you'd get a disaster. And a lot of you know AV integrators, yes, they work with corporate. 
corporate clients, the corporate clients are the ones that are asking me for this now because they see it in retail and they're like, wait a minute, this would be so cool if my lobby had this, if the elevators had this, if, you know, it looked like this, they want to make it as experiential in their campus as much as possible. They want to create that environment, that engagement, right? With the, anyone coming off the street, any visitors coming to their building and their employees to create an experience and enhance the brand and the feeling of the environment. So this is, um, again, in AV, you have to start with finding the right type of AR, VR consultation partners, projection mapping. There are a lot of different names behind it, but shout out to Bravo Media. The reason why I shout out to Bravo Media, because they have worked with financial and accounting firms and a lot more corporate clients in creating such a thing. They also did the Steve Colbert Studios where he does projection mapping. So Bravo Media did that. And that was a couple of years ago, but they did that work and it was awesome. So Google's, you know, Steve Colbert projection mapping his studios. It's on Google. It's on YouTube. You'll see their work. You have to find the right partner to work in conjunction with your firm and work with the client and be con completely collaborative to begin that conversation. But it starts with that conversation with the right partner. If your company is not that partner. All right. Steve, you have the last word on this. We're saying how AV companies can be part of an immersive experience, but is there any way that those companies kind of can do this for themselves? Like how, how can we make AV a little more experiential? It sounds like a great tool for a marketing department. So if you, if you can give your marketing department some type of a, uh, the ability to create around a space that is interactive or that is dynamic or has the ability to ha have that wow factor and and you know used to be big video walls that used to be the big wow factor but it, but obviously that that that's continuing to evolve um, but but having the a marketing department to be able to create some type of an experience that it may be immersive that may be something that that uh, it maybe it's voice triggered maybe it's something that is uh, virtual uh, it it could be it could be fantastic for being able to bring convey a message to a potential client, uh, create an experience, uh, be, do some type of entertaining of, uh, of clients, or even, uh, to create some type of energy within a company, uh, ha have, uh, you know, a, a, like an all hands meeting that, that really raises the, the excitement about, uh, what's going on within a firm. I think that would be a good place to stop. Thank you all for joining us. Charmaine Torella from Varix. How can people reach you or Varix? People can connect with me by typing in my name into LinkedIn, Charmaine Torella, exactly as it's spelt on the screen. Um, it's hard sometimes. And you will find me and on Twitter. But at Verix, my email address is C, my last name, at Verix.com. Steve, how can we get a hold of you at Control Concepts or see you on such wonderful aviation programming as The AV Profession or A State of Control? Uh, I'm easily found uh, on social at Steve Greenblatt. Control Concepts is controlconcepts.net. Uh, please also check out our programming control and automation show that we do here on AV Nation with Rich Fragoza. Uh, I have to always mention that, and we have a, a lot of fun doing that, and hopefully uh, we get more listeners. And as you mentioned, I'll, for the first time in a number of years, I'll be heading to Cedia, and I'm looking to, forward to connecting with 
many people within the community in person and uh, being able to celebrate the industry a little bit. Last but not least, Derek Jonkis from Extron. How can people see what you or Extron have going on? Well, Extron is obviously at extron.com and me, you can reach me at Extron or if you'd like, you can find me on LinkedIn, first name and last name. Thank you all for joining us. This is usually the part where Tim says, don't follow me on the Twitters. So don't follow at T Albright because he's probably just talking about the Bears or talking about the Blues. Don't follow me, definitely, because I'm a ghost on Twitter. Heck, I'm the ghost of AV Past right now, so I don't think I have anything to follow. Instead, check out here, avnation.tv, where we have a whole suite of shows like A State of Control with Steve Greenblatt and Uncle Richie, AV Social with Don Mead, a whole lot more. Check out our underwriters. They are the lifeblood that keeps us flowing. And go into shows like Cedia, like Infocom. Speaking of Cedia Expo 2021, we will be there in September at Indianapolis. Uh, and for the road leading up to it, we've got a whole host of previews, talking to integrators about what they are going to be bringing to the show. So check all that out at avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. I've always wanted to say this. So thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. That is all the time we have for AV Week.